is? Uh, <laughs> I think you're all wrong. Because uh, the best Mar- uh, Marvel... Oh my god, come on, Warren, get shit together. Uh, <laughs> the, the best King Arthur is by far Sword in the Stone, Disney's animation version. Never saw it. Whoa! <laughs> man, I hate your guts. Oh man, that's brutal. Easily hate your guts. You didn't see my live reaction there, but I almost <laughs> slapped myself. Alright, be right. Alright. Get the wine. Get the Let's see. Yeah, I'm trying looking. through the, the Wikipedia. There was definitely like a PBS one from the mid-90s that I absolutely loved. Hmm, the PBS King Arthur. Was it like a, supposed to be like a historical sort of approach or like a documentary or was it like an actual like show? I think it was like a, yeah, apparently, apparently I'm being completely bullshit. <laughs> I thought it was like a show, like, like, a like a dramatization, you know, mm. not like, yeah, I don't know. What? I didn't know Army of Darkness was based on a Connecticut Yankee in King Arthur's court. Really? Yeah, that's funny. Interesting. Yeah. Did I get it? Oh, it's still pretty tiny. Ooh. I'm doing some some research right now for something I'm going to bring up later on during the actual pod. Uh, oh, you couldn't finish the word? You just say pod? Well, that's like, that's like the, the way... That's the way cool people say podcast. Oh, really? I'm just going to, oh, yeah. I'm going to drink my wine here, so don't worry about me. <laughs> in my, I'm going to drink my First wine. First of all, wine is already one syllable, goddammit. <laughs> I'm going to drink my wine up in my sea, so don't worry about me. Don't worry about them. <laughs> don't worry, see, jail over your bees. <laughs> oh, man. All right. I'm about to close my door, get my notes, and let's do this. Um, Blue, do you want to do a kickball league? Yeah. <laughs> Alright. Just you two? <laughs> nah, there's gonna be other people. I mean, Moreno, if you were closer, you'd be down. Oh man, if I had a car, I'd drive three hours a weekend just to play a little bit of kickball. <laughs> just to play kickball, that'd be awesome. <laughs> oh man. I still, like, deeply miss, and Warren, I don't think you were ever a part of this. Mike, I know you were at least a few times, but the, uh, the Sunday after work basketball games that we would play at Cambridge Love them. I did a couple times. I just don't think you were there. I did a couple times. I think maybe after you left. Kind of oh, okay, maybe. Yeah, yeah, that was like I still miss have, like being able to just count on that every Sunday. Because <laughs> I, I also worked every Sunday, so it was something like I never had to guess whether or not I'd be able to be there. Yep. Yeah, you just we just walked over afterwards. It was great. I mean, yeah. I, I still work in that area, so I'm probably just going to end up doing that more and more. Just walking, just playing, shooting by myself and stuff. But not on Sundays, but any day I want. All right. Wine ready. Drinks ready. Notes ready. Drinks ready. Notes sort of ready. Yeah, no, notes are as good. Yeah, no, they're as good as they're going to get. All right. What's our uh, topic? <laughs> well, I saw the notes. I was like, I'm just going to mooch off of them. It, I'm not going to write all that stuff. Uh, what's our uh, conversation o- opener? Um, I like the conversations that talk about 
You know what really bothers me about movie theater etiquette? We did that one yesterday, though. Yeah, I know, but we did one of the movie theater etiquettes, and there's probably a million of them. We can change it up. Okay. But All right. there's a lot of movie theater etiquette things to do. Okay, so mine yesterday was I my big pet peeve when it comes to movie theater etiquette was people talking talking at a at a very noticeable level. Yeah. Um, what's yours then, Warren? What's your biggest pet peeve? Oh man, there's so many. Um, what? Okay, I guess what is your sort of impression on putting feet on t- on the back of chairs? Ooh, I am totally down to do it as long as there is at least one empty seat on either side of my feet and no one in front of me. Yes, right? Don't fucking kick my chair though. This is a damn plane, airplane. Oh, the, like, no. like, So that may be like, besides talking, that is like the second one. Because if I hear my, if I feel my, my chair move, not like an accidental kick, that's okay. But if I feel my entire chair move as if somebody's mic blew it for the last yeah. time. Mute your fucking self. God damn it. What, why? What does it sound like? You sound awful. We hear everything. <laughs> you did that, just, you know, you did that shit last time. When, you did that yesterday. Brian was trying to talk of a point, And all we hear is clank, 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 clank. <laughs> well, I'm just underscoring how rude it is to be disruptive during media. The, the funny thing about it is that you, I can't really see you actually handling any cans, so it just sounds like you're walking through your apartment and the floor is littered with empty cans and bottles. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. You're not, you're not quite wrong there. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, I mean, we don't have to talk about pet peeves all the time, but there's a bunch that's going to come up, I'm, I'm sure, just because, you know, people like, also like fucking having your damn phone in a movie theater. Yeah, just put that put that crap on silent. Like, there's there's just no one that's that important out there that has to be on the damn phone the entire. And I feel like I'm I'm like my parents, and technically I you know I've been using a smartphone pretty much for you know uh, since they've started coming out. So it's not like I'm a late adopter to this. But my God, just put your damn phone down. I mean, we talked about it last day. Two hours. Put your phone away. Uh, I actively go and put my watch on silent and the mode that I like, now on the Apple Watch you have a theater mode for a reason to fucking put it on when you watch a movie. Just that's why they don't want your watch to light up. Put your phone in your pocket. Put your phone in your purse. Just just put it away. If you're texting in a movie, just leave. Text and come back. But yeah, also like it's one thing to be texting and to be like being distracting that way, but. I don't understand people who have their phone sound on in general. Wow. Like the only time my phone is not on vibrate is if I'm by myself and there's no one around me and I'm like locked in my room. Otherwise, if I step foot into the real world because I'm a, I'm a decent human being, that shit is on vibrate immediately and stays that way. Who needs to hear their phone ring at any given time? Especially the people who always have their phones ringing are old people who have shit like crickets chirping or like some like weird ass random wing tone that you have well, to scroll to find. They have the default, or they have the default knowing that what the fuck is a ring tone? I'm like, uh, the are marimbo. You, are you are you serious? <laughs> like, come on, man, come on. Can we have marimbo be the uh, opening music for down in front, <laughs> moving forward? Oh, we'll, we'll get sued. So I bet fast. I could do. I bet I could do a marimba version of uh of oh this my, of this oh, theme song. Oh my god, <laughs> that would be so fun. Oh my gosh, that please. would be wicked funny. 
please. I, I bet I could. I could bet I could whip that up in like twenty minutes. Do it. Do it. <laughs> This is also pertinent. Uh, I had to literally go through my Reddit and hide so many stories about Game of Thrones or um, uh, set photos of the new Star Wars. So many posts that I had to keep hiding of it. So sad. Spoilers, that, one, that one picture was really amazing. I, I feel weird about the whole situation with Game of Thrones now because I've been reading the books for so long, not as long as others. Um, you know, I started reading in 2011. Um, and at this point, everything, when I sit down to watch the show, I'm watching spoilers. We're past where the book is mm-hmm. um, in terms of what George R. R. Martin has written. So even though I'm pretty similar to you, Warren, in which I try to avoid all content for any media that I know I'm going to be interested in, yeah. uh, I it's sort of one of those things where, well, when I do get to watch it anyway, it's still going to be spoilers because it's telling me like plot points that maybe they're not exactly how the book is going to be, but they are more like the, the overarching ideas are. So, I don't know. It's it's a frustrating <clears throat> uh, first world problem to have. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a good point too because I, I wonder if he's going to do another switch up on us though and then completely makes the books different. Uh, and if he does, then people, I'm pretty sure his show word is going to probably get pretty upset because that's something that could have been actually shown on the actual screen and that was not or probably won't be able to so no i've, I've heard the early reports that are it's going to deviate away because there's like characters that uh haven't been introduced okay. and that the showrunners are like yeah we're not going to talk about them and they're like pretty important book characters um and i think that there's only like i think george R. R. martin said you have to do x x and x in the long run and then besides that, you're just carte blanche. Yeah, George gave them really specific points for like the, the main notes that they have to hit in order for the ending to make sense. But you know, the, the show, even while I was running through the material, the canon material that existed, mm-hmm. had a, had really early on started to deviate and make itself a unique version of its story. Mm-hmm. So, like I said, you know, not everything is going to be exactly like the books, but chances are the end points are going to be. Um, yeah. So, um, so I don't Dude. know. I heard Book Hodor gets his name a different way. What? Oh, really? Yeah, I heard. So I heard that like he's written that scene already, and then it goes completely different in the books. It Which just, would be—it's kind of cool, like where it's like, all right, sweet, that didn't. But get that's spoiled. such a powerful way to get your name. Now I wonder if that's like I really wonder if the Hodor was. Uh, I wonder if like the book version is going to be more uh, impactful. Yeah, well, I mean, the other thing you have to consider is that um, there are two different mediums, and having having a medium that doesn't portray, like, set and movement as well as, like, character depth, mm-hmm. then, you know, you have to put a bunch of pretty moving things in uh, a TV show, whereas a book you can really go into, like, more behind the scenes, like, what they're thinking and feeling um, and so you might see the differences manifest in that way. Okay, I can see that. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I'm. I mean, I'm going to be there for it regardless. Um, oh, yeah. I. I don't think I'm going to avoid trailers just because at this point in the show, um, you know, the, the the entire point of where we are in the show is just awesome shit happening that we've been waiting forever to see. That's very very action oriented. So, like, screw it if I get to watch 30 seconds of it in the trailer because 
the Bastard Bowl was an entire hour of just incredible shit nonstop. So fuck 30 seconds out of a trailer. I'll watch it and then still have things to blow me away when the time comes. They, I mean, they, they have to be holding back some stuff, so it's not like they're going to reveal all in one trailer. The other thing is that, like, to your point, I think we all know how it ends. Like, right now, I could probably tell you the three or four remaining plot points that happen with 90% certainty. Thanks for hanging, you def- for hanging out with You us. definitely can't overextend your drinking. Like, that's, you, you gotta stick, uh, stick to what you know best. <laughs> Y'all can see at home, but I'm pointing a delicately tanned finger at Mike right now. For you can see that no, no way. Cool. Uh, uh, and with that other uh, magical voice, cool. Yikes. Yikes. Um, and, you know, I was really excited to kind of uh, kick off this entire conversation before we actually kind of transition into our wins uh, and really kind of start talking about, you know, there's been a lot of movies of King Arthur. A lot of adaptations, a lot of different things, and I found an article that was written about four days ago, and I was just browsing. I didn't really kind of find any particular article that's better than the others, so if you do have any articles, feel free to kind of tweet us, email email them to this. We'll plug out all of our location or in our information kind of later on in the episode. Um, but it tells me the t- top ten best King Arthur movies ever made. So I'm going to be interested to see, A, how many that I've even seen, because I'm not sure if I saw a lot of them, but B, uh, I'm kind of bouncing off YouTube mics of what you guys thought about, you know, this particular kind of list. So um, before I read these off, to get to the, uh, the top 10, so this is going to be an article that I said was on Cheat Sheet, and I'm going to start by number 10 and going all the way up. Um, so I'm just going to read them through and then we'll just talk about what movies we've seen, what movies stand out, and then if we need to marinate a couple things, we can. Um, but, you know, start with number 10, you have the King Arthur 2004 version, the Antoine Fuqua, uh, Fuqua, sorry. Uh, I think that was the one that, uh, Blue, you were talking about, right? Or was that you, Marina? That's the one with, um, Keira Knightley in it. I don't, I don't think either of us... Didn't you say Kira Knightley, 2004? What are you guys doing? No, I, no. I thought something from the mid-90s. Truthfully, it might have been it might have been Merlin. Oh, oh yeah? I yeah. said Helena Bonham Carter in 98, so yeah. definitely not thinking about Kira Knightley. <laughs> well, I thought one of you did, but guess not. But she has a badass photo on this article. Now, I'll go ahead and link this um, article to the show notes, just so you can see some of the photos here. Um, you got number nine, you have First Night with uh, Sean Connery and Julia Ormond. Uh, have you guys seen that? Uh, yeah, I think I saw that back in the day. Okay, um, I think yeah, so. Maybe. I I don't I know for sure I have not seen this, so I know that. But some of these are more to- closely tied. Other ones are more loosely based. Um, I do remember the Anton Fuqua one. That was with Clive Owen. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that was another movie that wasn't great, but it was swords and bows and arrows, and I was all about it. I need to go back and watch it probably because it looks. I mean, it's number 10 on the list out of, there's, I think it was over like 25 or 30 adaptations that I, I saw, so <laughs> it was actually pretty funny. Uh, number 8, I have Parsifal. It's a 1982 version. It's a based on an opera by Richard Wagner, which is kind of funny. We talked about that recently on an episode. Um, and this one here, I don't think it was um, too too big here, but I know that it was a, it was like the film, it was like just talked about, like, they got a lot of praise for the actual film itself, but... Parsifal, 1982. I'm pretty sure none of us have seen that movie. Um, no. Yep. Um, so, I think this is the one 
No, still not. So this is ni- uh, so 1981 version called Excalibur. No. That sounds wait 1981. Yep. Huh. That sounds like something I would have seen on like a weekday in the mid 90s. <laughs> Unless it was like a hard R movie. That's like that sounds like something I'd watch. Well, this this has, definitely would have been something on like Turner Classic Movies or. <laughs> well, these three names, I'm pretty sure you're gonna be like, how did I not see this movie? Because you get Liam Neeson, Helen Merrim, and Patrick Stewart in this movie. Oh man. Yeah, and Patrick Stewart still looks the same age. It's very strange. Yeah. Well, Patrick Stewart was born looking exactly as he does today. Yeah. <laughs> Just like Morgan Freeman. That's right. Um, number six, we got first of all, Legos. It's a 1978 French version of it. Pretty sure nobody says that, but the actual title of it is, you know, Percival in the Story of the Grail. So, yeah. just kind of just keep that in mind, too. Um, number five, I'm surprised this was so low. And also kind of surprised that none of us actually said it, but another adaptation of King Arthur was uh, Monty Python and the Holy Grail. I was wondering if it was going to show up on this list, and I too am surprised that it's at number five. Ah, it's well, it's great. I'm honestly surprised that it made the list, though, considering like it's so ridiculous. <laughs> Fun fact about this movie: that I watched this movie for the first time on the first time I ever stayed awake all night. First time it was like uh, like fifth grade. It was the greatest time. Uh, we watched Monty Python. We played Mario Kart. And then I went, I fell asleep at like 8.30, 9 o'clock, and then went tubing for the rest of my afternoon. <laughs> Wasn't being a kid great. That was that was like a day. It was like, oh, cool. Hardest, Man, thing, you, I, hardest thing I had to do was go tubing. You blossomed early. I feel like the first time I stayed up all night was in like seventh grade. What? First time <laughs> yeah. I stayed up all night and my mom still hates me for it, I was in second grade. And we had this, uh, you it was us. it was mostly it was mostly for the midnight snacks. Oh, of course. So like, we we were like we we're like, well, if we start staying awake, then we could just eat every two hours, you know. And do you guys remember uh, Sega Channel? No, no, I I was too poor for cable growing up. Oh, it wasn't <laughs> quite cable. It was like this channel that you actually selected. It was like an input that they also kind of used, and there was only like certain trial games. And I stayed up until like eleven thirty and. I think in second grade, which was unheard of. I was so tired, I fell asleep in class, and my teacher poured water on me, and I still didn't wake up. So they called my mom, <laughs> they called my mom thinking something was wrong with me, and I was just sleeping. So, and my sleeping world was continued, so there you go. Anywho, getting back to uh, the list, we have number four, Lancelot of the Lakes, the 1974 French version. Focuses on uh, many tales of the Arthurian uh, legend. Uh, love triangle between Arthur, Lancelot, and Guinevere. That was like a big focus on that. So I thought that was pretty interesting. Directed by Robert Bresson. Hmm, yeah. I'm sure none of us have seen that movie either. I'm, su- I'm surprised that this uh, article came out only four days ago and they're really reaching back all the way before the 1980s, 1990s uh, movies of things that's still top 10. So that was interesting. Yeah, that, that also goes to show you just how like inundated we are with these type of movies that you can go back multiple decades and still find King Arthur movies. Oh, yeah. Um, you got number three, 1967 version of Camelot. Um, is another King Arthur movie uh, where Richard Harris plays Camelot, uh, plays in this actual movie and by Warner Brothers. And um, Richard Harris actually passed away. He was the first uh, Albus Dumbledore, if you don't remember that. So, and the best Albus Dumbledore. 
Well, we not yet. Don't hold hold your horses. Watch. No, I'm saying he was the best of the two Dumbledores that played him during the movies. Well, there's a third one coming, so yeah. there you go. And oh. who, someone big got cast for him, too. Yeah. I it's guess, like Tom I, Cruise. No, my God. <laughs> Tom Cruise is the last wizard on Earth. <laughs> he's the last samurai. He's the last agent. <laughs> that's, a, that's a Paul Mooney joke right oh. there. Oh, man. <clears throat> oh. No, that's... No, never mind. Sorry. That's Tom Hanks. Tom yeah. Hanks. Yeah, and definitely wasn't the word wizard. That's for sure. Uh, <laughs> what? Uh, no, I'm pretty sure it was. <laughs> Mike, you're you're batting. You're batting right I'm now. Batting, I'm batting Over, zero right. to two right now. <laughs> just, just offending everybody. Uh, number two version of uh, the one of the best King Arthur stories is uh, the Sword in the Stone, 1963. So, okay. I think it's the best one. They didn't think it's the best one, but I don't really care. But I think we've all, except for Moreno, have seen this movie, which I'm super surprised of. It's practically free, so you may as well see it. I think it may be like 70 or 80 minutes of a movie. But it's very interesting. If you see this movie uh, and then you look at... I think it's very funny. If you see this movie, you see the Merlin character, and then you fast forward to watching the Aladdin, and you see the genie character, they are very similar. And it's very scary how similar they are. Yeah. It's just hard to get me to sit down and watch like the older Disney movies, like the ones that came out like way back in the day. Yeah, but who knows? Maybe I'll take a trip over to uh, Boston and you can force me to watch it Clockwork Orange style. Oh, for sure. I've never seen that movie, but... Nah, I'm just kidding. I have to that movie. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. Okay. Uh, and then the last but not least, uh, the number one movie of the best uh, King Arthur's Tale is uh, Knights of the Round Table, 1953 version of it. Uh, Richard Thorpe directed it, um, and it really kind of talks about like the discovery of Excalibur, the love triangle between Guinevere and Lancelot, and it, I feel like a lot of people really like this version a lot, because the majority of the uh, articles I did find really did focus on um, that version more than others. So, didn't see it again. Hopefully we'll, we can just watch all these, or at least watch kind of snippets of them all, um, but... Those are the, uh, that was the top ten. Uh, and like you said, it was very obvious, it was very weird, because I know that there was much, that was a lot more that came out besides one that they listed in 2004, uh, in the 2000s, but, you know, what do you got? And there's also, like, side TV episodes and stuff like that, but. So, thanks, Marina. I'm excited about your actual wins. Uh, Mike Blue, what you got? What's happening? Uh, so, so we'll just squeeze this. I didn't realize that I was on mute. And I was like, how do I unmute it? I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, just, I'll, I'll set it up again. Hold on. This entire episode is going to be a, uh, a lesson in cutting and splicing for you. <laughs> like, are you going to get to like work those muscles? Yikes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> well, I was literally not even a drink, and I was like, oh, fuck, he's already bringing up things if he spoiled the movie. Yeah. Well, you told me what my, what my wins were. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I forgot. I, I literally we're forgot. My, my last text is, the, it's the best, when we are like a couple drinks in, when everyone's just like, we're just enough to like mess up a whole <laughs> bunch, but not enough to like real to like miss the fact that we messed up. Like the Civil War podcast. We just completely, we didn't, re- we were so drunk that we didn't realize we were messing up all over. Hang on one second before you reach your I'm going to grab another beer. Oh Speaking my, of that. Oh my gosh, you're the worst. 
So I would love to do a uh, to do a podcast one day where every single person participating is trashed when we start and just see what happens. <sighs> like make an event of it, play some drinking games, like we don't have to be together. I mean, I'm <laughs> down. The only thing is that <laughs> I know we've had to throw away three episodes. Um, oh wow! Or or we had to re-record an episode because we got too drunk and we just Mike was going through and was like we we can't uh, we can't use this. Uh, Blue, I'm I'm dropping a marker right now. I want to see if I can try and find it. I believe it was around one one fifteen sixty one um, was the first marker should be, but whatever. You're, you're just gonna see a uh, a big big blank spot where I just forgot to click unmute. <laughs> Well, I was sitting here. I was like, uh, "Am I? Am I not? Did he not hear me? Uh, oh, he heard me." He just, oh no! I just I was on a different page, and I was like, "Where's the unmute button?" All right, cool. Um, I guess I can't move the markers, so that's weird. But whatever. Anyways, all right. So I'm gonna pour my wine, and then what we're gonna do is that I'm gonna introduce uh, Blewett as uh, your wins. So I'm gonna say thanks, Mike. Uh, thanks, Mocha, and then Blue. What you got? I'm trying not to mess it up again. No, I just said I was pouring my wine. I just poured my wine. That was, that was it. Uh, oh, you were just telling us what you were going to say? Yeah. I, no, I, no, no, I was, no. I was still ready for him to like be like, Blue, what you got? And be like, uh. <laughs> um, side note, before I have Mocha go, I'm just I'm a stat checking kind of person tonight. Um, so as a domestic total... As of uh, what they made, it's not even $30 million as of right now in the production. No way. No, no way. Yeah. Total tank. Domestic. Domestic. Domestic, right? Still. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they they made approximately half of their bu- uh, budget back. Fuck. Oh, that is embarrassing. Not even. So their production budget was $175 million. Yeah. Oh, man. No, no, but worldwide, their box office is at $95 million. Yeah. That's still really That's, bad. Yeah. So. Even better than even Kubo. Breaking even is bad in Hollywood. I mean, like, that's a good point. It is better than Kubo, which is a very... Although Kubo, Kubo cost $50 million to make, and I think they made $60 million. But here's... I guess here's my thing is because this movie is getting more and more buzz. It just recently came out. Uh, it came out besides um, Alien. Um, and I think the next and Guardians. Week, uh, well, that's after Guardians. It came in between. Right. Okay, yeah. Arthur came out last week. Yeah. Aliens came out this past weekend. So, and if, I mean, if you're gonna spend money on a ticket, it's gonna be it, you know two out of three. You're gonna go see Alien. You're gonna go see Guardians. Yeah. I mean, I, I, what I'm saying is that this movie is definitely gonna get over a hundred million dollars um, total, which probably could also get him a, a sequel because I'm I'm interested right and I'm going to look this up in a second but Guy Ritchie mo- films how much did Snatch bring in we didn't get a sequel but just how much did it bring in how much did both of the uh, Sherlock Holmes bring in and then how much I'm going to be looking at other stuff did uh, Man From U.N.C.L.E. because these are movies like Guy Ritchie movies may only pull in 85, 90, and it's still a success for his actual sort of films. So keep that in mind. Yeah, but I'll bet I'll bet money right now that Snatch didn't cost more than 100 million to make. I'll, yeah. you know, oh, I bet that's sure. the case as well for like Lockstock. Um, oh, yeah. I can't say the same for Sherlock Holmes, but Sherlock Holmes did well in theaters in the box office. Yeah, 
Fair. The only the only thing with that, so two things. One, apparently he's directing Aladdin coming up, so that's going to take a lot of, and that's two years from now. So that's like when King Arthur two would be coming out. He's going to be doing Aladdin. And the other thing, just speaking of the director, he besides Sherlock Holmes has not done a sequel, hmm. which doesn't look great for King Arthur if he's a one and done director. You know, yeah. tell a story that needs to be told move on to the next project. Definitely can see that. I definitely can see that. Um, um, side, side note, guys. Uh, looking at Guy Ritchie's films, I'm um, kind of circling back from that. This is the most, ex- at least from the four that we've talked about, this is the most expensive film he has gotten out. His other film sense. was maybe $90 million, uh, and that was Game of Shadows. Um Sorry, his other film was $125 million, my bad, and that was Game of Shadows, in which case they got barely their money back from that. I think like maybe uh, $30 million more than that. Um, but everything else has been under $100 million to make, and it has like, either achieved or gone over $100 million. Snatch, though, was very odd, uh, was only $6 million, or six pound, six million pounds at least to make. Um, and that got back, I think, about maybe eighty uh, million dollars. So it's super, super small. Yeah, and th- that's the thing, and this ties into whole, my whole notion of not wanting to see Guy or wanting to see Guy Ritchie do an original fantasy warfare film. You know, Guy Ritchie is good because he does extremely, um, extremely insular, character-driven films, um, where you know it's it's the characters themselves, not the action going around on around them, that makes the film. Um, even with with Sherlock Holmes, which was definitely a bit more um, action oriented and had more CG implicate in implementations than his previous films, it was still really driven by the fact that uh, by Robert Downey Jr.'s performance and the rest of the characters' performances. This film, considering that it's the furthest outside of his typical um, sort of uh, sort of area of expertise in that it, it focused way more on over the top action and CG effects. Like, give me those characters, give me a, a story instead that focuses on like original characters that are interesting. He's shown us that he can do that. He's shown us that he can make really intense original characters. And I would have liked to see that with the same budget. Um, and, you know, all those things aside. So that was something very interesting to kind of, I was going to actually think about to see what I have. Damn it, Mike, why did I see that? I was, I was hoping, damn you, Warren, oh, damn you. <laughs> Yo, Warren, you, you missed it. Uh, uh, Sean Bean was Arthur's mother. Oh. <laughs> Just died yeah, immediately, yeah. right at the start of the film. Yeah. Done. <laughs> hang on, hang on, I'm going to take this back. Dude, you missed it. Sean Bean was Modred. Died immediately at the beginning of the film. <laughs> never saw him again. <laughs> oh man, that was funny. Uh, yeah, but uh, so yeah. Charlie Hunnam has a stupid dumb face. <laughs> oh my dumb, god, it's the dumbest angry face, guys. If you're listening to this pod, check our Twitter because I'm gonna post this up there. It is the dumbest angry face ever. It's in, you'll never unsee it again. You'll stop, notice it in every film of his. Stop trying to get spot It's like he's stick. slowly farting. Yeah. Like, he's just like. <laughs> No, that's not good. Um, okay, so I talked about my criticisms. That was kind of tough. Who else was in Game of Thrones besides Littlefinger? I didn't catch that one. Um, I think there, there was two other ones. The guy that plays... First of all, uh, 
David Beckham was in this movie. Thought that was hilarious. Did you catch? Was that? he really? Yeah, yeah, I was gonna say I didn't catch that. You didn't catch Beckham? Yeah, he was a guy who was talking to King Arthur, like Charlie Hunnam's character, to pick up the sword. That was David. Oh Beckham. wow! Yeah, okay. I, I saw that immediately. I was like, that's hilarious. I didn't know. That. He was the first one to say, "Use both hands." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> hmm. Um. Anyways, uh, the other one was um, Ramsey Bolton's father. What's really? Name? Yeah, he's in this movie. No way, that guy is... Ramsey Bolton's father is in this movie. And he plays a very similar role in this movie as he does in Game of Thrones. Yep. And then, uh, I, I thought the other one was the guy who, um... They shot he, um, Littlefinger in, this, in, in Game of Thrones, shot an arrow through his chest. I thought that was the third character that was there. Maybe I'd be wrong with that one, though. So it looks like a um, Ramsey Bolton's or Bruce Bolton Bruce was Bolton. in this film. Yeah, his the actor's name is Michael McElhatton, and his character's name was Jack's Eye. I don't recall him, but he definitely was in this film. Well, that's who they had the story time with earlier in the scene. Like it literally, you see two Game of Thrones characters from one to the next when King Arthur and Charlie Hunnam's character rats out um, Littlefinger. It's oh yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah, yeah I do remember Bruce that. Bolton. Yeah, that's yeah. weird. It was too blinding for me, so I was like, "Oh, Bruce Bolton, what are you doing in this movie? Who are you going to flay? Who knows? Who knows?" Yeah, and, and that's the thing. Like you know, when you take those characters out of a show like Game of Thrones, where they're doing an amazing job with these characters, and then put them in a film where they're just secondary characters that are pretty much doing the same thing, it's like it makes that character more boring as a result. It's kind of sad, but you know what do you got. Um, the other weird thing, um, not quite of a criticism, but I'm interested. Did you guys pick up on the subtle weirdness why, uh, even after the fact that he found King Arthur, why uh, Jude Law's character was still collecting boys and why the Vikings wanted to collect the boys? Did you guys pick up on that weirdness at all? I mean, it was the Middle Ages. You do what you want to do with boys. Yeah, they're just roaming yeah. all over the place in the fields, yeah. tearing up your crops. That's that's high Catholicism right there. <laughs> that, was that was probably the most off color. Yeah. part of it. Yeah, yeah that, was, that was off color. I was raised Catholic. Uh, I was. I promise, I was not traded to any Vikings as a child. So, Mike, you have uh, successfully, like, basically angered everybody on this podcast. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm just, I'm just, I'm, I'm hitting everyone like Chris Brown to women. There we go. Got the last demographic. Yeah. Uh, nah, it's maybe right. Chris Brown, sports and women. <laughs> well, there's no videos about Chris Brown, but there's tons of uh, Ray Rice, so there you go. Yeah, that's fair. And remember, audience, if you pull uh, Jesse's magic sword, make sure you use both hands. <laughs> <laughs> it is definitely a two-handed piece of equipment. <laughs> <laughs> there's some girth. <laughs> Good night. <laughs> The funny thing is that Jesse will never uh, listen to these podcasts. That's <laughs> <laughs> the best part. It's just for us. Oh my god. Oh my god. <clears throat> we should just like like I know you were talking last week or last week last night about compiling them all into like a book one day. We should just do that and give it to Jesse as like a birthday gift one time. <laughs> just all the different email addresses we've made for him or you've made for him over the years. 
no, you had you had last night's, dude. So this is a group. This is a group project now. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> I mean, what? We have a full year. He's in. Uh, he's in. Is he May second? His birthday. Yeah. We just asked right. Brylin. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think he's. I think he's May second. Yeah. So we have a full year. That's 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 like. 50 podcasts worth of email. We just need to uh, actually start tweeting these out because I never remember which ones you said. (laughs) No, no. I mean, that's the rough part is that, yeah, I got to go back and like listen to all the old ones to figure out and start writing down. Yeah, we should start like, like write down the ones that we know of right now and then at some point back in time. (laughs) I'm stopping the recording. We should register them. That's what we really should.